Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. We spent quite a bit of time in the late summer this year in the Treasure Valley under very smoky, hazy skies. I remember having one visitor out and I had to tell them, hey, I I promise you, you can normally see mountains, but they were all obscured by the smoke. Smoke kind of coming into this valley from fires burning in other places in Idaho or other states uh, surrounding us here. And having also lived a good chunk of my life in Southern California, I'm no stranger to the late summer and fall skies uh, getting filled with smoke. And when you think about some of these fires that occur, and you really think through the damage that they can cause, it can blow your mind. Uh, Obviously, first and foremost, the most tragic thing when it involves a loss of, of human life, but then also when you see some of these pictures of towns Cities just completely leveled, demolished by these fires. It's a humbling thing to really realize that the power, once this fire gets out of control, what it can do is more really than a lot of us can really stop to imagine. And when you look also at these fires, when you consider just how big they can get and how much damage they can cause, it can be amazing how small the start can be. I think it was somewhat recently where one of the fires in Southern California started because of a gender reveal party where they use some kind of pyrotechnic, you know, to either shoot out blue or or green or uh, let them know what the sex of their baby was going to be. And and some spark from that started something that became a big fire. One spark can start such a massive fire. Well, James uses this imagery of a fire when he talks about our tongue. And let's think about that in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And as we look at this passage, it's a familiar one, but I want us to really think about our words. And it really talks about the power of words and how these words, our words need to be restrained. He starts off with a good warning. He says, now, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And then it talks about the rudder, right? You know, a bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder, right? These, these are small things that control, you know, a powerful animal like a horse or a big thing like a ship. And really, we need to restrain our tongues. And then he goes on to use that illustration of a fire. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. And then really talks about the difficulty of taming the tongue. And James also helps us see, well, the taming of the tongue is going to have to come from the inside out, right? What comes out is what's from the inside. And that's the why I think we need to heed the warning of this. And I want all of us to really consider 
our words. And even to commit as a response to this text to um, restrain more of our words. And some of this text almost just bemoans it's impossible to completely restrain our tongue. But I think we would be wise to listen to this and even when you consider the Proverbs, how sometimes we really need to just shut our mouths and not say uh, something that comes into our mind. And the image I want you to think about there is that of that stray spark, right? That one stray spark can cause so much damage. Or you think of something like a bullet, right? One stray bullet could cause so much damage. Think about the power, the destructive power of one stray word, right? One word that gets away from you. And just think about that in close relationships that you have. Sometimes how you give vent and you say one thing that crosses the line that you know you shouldn't have said. And think about all the damage that that can cause. Relationships have really been ended because of careless things like that or conflict begun or trust that is broken. All because of one stray word, all because of one stray phrase, all because of one text that shouldn't have been set, sent. Right? All of these things, we need to examine ourselves and we need to seek to filter our words. And ultimately, James, I think, is pointing the deeper problem is in our hearts. But may we take heed and think about our words today. Today, this Tuesday, when you feel you're on the edge of saying that one more thing, let James 3 be a reminder saying, stop it. Stop. Don't say those words. Don't send that text. Don't do what you're about to do because it is going to cause harm. It's going to cause devastation. So maybe we prayerfully consider our words today. Now also, as we consider our words, um, let's consider a positive example as we go back to John chapter 3. And we've gotten through some of the more famous parts of this um, of this passage, but now we get back to John the Baptist. And there's another very famous phrase in here, but I want you just to see how John responds. And John clearly uses his words to bring glory to God. And it's such an amazing example of humility here. And this discussion arises, and when they come to John and say basically that Jesus, he's baptizing, and all are going to him, look how life-giving and humble and, and write his responses. In verse 27, we're reading John 3, 22 through 36 today. He says, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. For starters, how just humble is that? And what a great perspective all of us should have. This is so anti-entitlement, right? Just saying, hey, every single thing I have, it's been given to me by God. There's not one thing I can look at and say, I earned this. I deserve this. No, everything. I can't receive even one thing unless it is given from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and, but I must decrease. So there's again that famous phrase at the end, he must increase, but I must decrease. But notice how it begins just with that humility. And think about how our words would maybe be less offensive 
to others, that our words would possibly be less destructive to others if we had more of a mindset of, hey, I can't receive even one thing unless it has been granted by heaven. If we approached life with that humility, I bet our words would be a little less fiery in so many situations because we would be more humble. We would be more kind. We would be less demanding. We would be less entitled. So those are helpful things to think about. Next, let's move on to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 18 through 20. And it starts with what's become a famous illustration of the potter and the clay. Now, I grew up going to a very small Christian school. And I remember things like uh, singing songs about the potter and the clay. Saying things like, God, you are the potter. I am the clay. Have your way. I, I give my life to you, to the potter's hand. And all of these things. And the sentiment of those songs is surely true and, and right. I even remember one time in my you know, elementary school class giving a devotional with Jeremiah 18 talking about the potter and, you know, kind of with those same ideas. We got to trust God. He's in control. And a lot of we've taken this picture and brought it into our personal lives, which again, I don't think any of those things are, are not true. God is in control. And at a personal level, we should trust him and give our lives to his hand. But when we look at the original use of this, it's not really talking about our personal lives. It's really talking about nations. I mean, look at what it says. He goes down to the potter's house and he he sees things. Look how God then explains it. In verse 5 of chapter 18, he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. Right? And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build it up and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I intended to do. And then in uh, chapter 9, where he takes a potter's earthenware flask and he breaks it, uh, listen to what God says. He tells Jeremiah to say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Wow, that is intense talk from God. And, and that's where he's taking this imagery of the potter. And even the imagery of the potter, it doesn't present us, well, there's nothing I can do, so I just submit to whatever God's going to do. No, he in chapter 18, he uses it as a call to, hey, you need to repent or I will break you down. And really, as he breaks the flask in chapter 19, it's because they failed to repent. And they said, no, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to go do what we want to do. And so may we think about this illustration, maybe in a little different light after seeing these passages. And may we also, though, use that to comfort ourselves. Even when we see the rise and fall of, of nations and kingdoms in this world, we can trust God is behind it all. And instead of worrying about all of that, I need to make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do, what the potter wants me to do. I must be responding to his call on my life. And we can respond, I think, with greater ease to the call of God in our lives when we consider his love for us. And as we wrap up, we go back to Psalm 119 and we look at verses 41 through 48 today. 
And what I want you to see from this part of the psalm is just how love begets love. It starts with the steadfast love of God and then leads to the psalmist professing his love uh, really for uh, the word of God and his commandments. In verse 41, it says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. So he starts off seeking the love of God, but then we see he has a, a confidence in that love that leads him to keep God's law. And he even sees God's law as a safe place. I love verse 45 where it says, I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. That he of safety in keeping God's commandments. And then in verses 47 and 48, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. May we love the word of God because really we know God, his steadfast love for us. And we take comfort in that. And as we fill ourselves with God's word, I hope that affects our words. And again, we heed just that language from James 3 today. And may God set a guard over our mouths today as we respond to him and to his word. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.